Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome in, podcast listeners. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We got a loaded show for you, breaking down the NCAA tournament, the craziness that happened at the end of Central Florida, and Duke will lead us off. Then in hour two, we'll be joined by Bruce Pearl. Hour three, we'll head out to Arizona for the NFL owners meeting with Alex Marvez. All that, enjoy. It's Outkick the Coverage. This is our podcast, Fox Sports Radio. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, what a weekend of NCAA tournament basketball culminating in 15 of the top 16 teams in America advancing to the Sweet 16 and the Oregon Ducks in there for good measure who have been hot down the stretch but still haven't been one of the 16 best teams in America. Day started off for me pretty simple. I woke up in my hotel room yesterday in Las Vegas. I don't know about you guys, but I would rather watch big games by myself. I understand there are some of you out there listening right now, but if my team has a big game, uh, some of you out there right now, when your team has a big game, you want to be out in a crowd. You want to be at a sports bar. You want to be with your buddies, a bunch of you sitting around all watching the game together. I am the exact opposite. I want to be in front of a television, maybe with no one else around. Oftentimes, frankly, even with the sound off on the television because I get annoyed by announcers who say self-evident and obvious things that 
I believe don't help my enjoyment of the game. A huge percentage of the time when I watch a game that I really care about, and this will drive my wife crazy, she'll walk in and say, why do you have the sound off? And the answer is because I want to totally focus on the images all by myself. So I am a University of Tennessee fan, born and raised, have been one my entire life. I wanted to watch their game against Iowa in my hotel room in Las Vegas by myself. I didn't want to be down on the casino floor in a sports book with hundreds of people all over the place. I didn't want to be down anywhere in a restaurant or a a sports bar or anywhere else that I could have been where there would have been large crowds. I woke up early that morning, read some, got ready, 9, 10 a.m. Pacific, boom, television's on, and I sat and watched it. First half couldn't have gone any better for my side. Tennessee was up 25, up 21 at the half, and then the wheels came off. When my oldest kid was young, we used to watch the Polar Express all the time. You've seen the movie, the Polar Express. If you have kids and they like Christmas, you probably have. If you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a grandma, if you're a grandpa, aunt, uncle with young kids, nanny, you probably have seen the Polar Express. There is a scene, spoiler alert, in the Polar Express when the train comes down to cross over a uh, over a river and it goes off the tracks and there is a frozen river with a train careening sideways on it. And you're not sure exactly what's going to happen, but it's kind of a epic disaster waiting to happen. That is what occurred when Tennessee was playing Iowa. It was a slow-moving train off the tracks, suddenly spinning on the ice moment as the 25-point lead went all the way down to zero and eventually went into overtime. I was beside myself. I was insanely nervous. Eventually, Tennessee put it all together and won the game. So I am flying back from Las Vegas then. I was lucky that I my team was playing in the early game. So I get to the airport. I can kind of follow all the other games because of the way they now segment these games in the Sweet 16. They don't have a lot of games going on at once. So I'm in uh, I'm in the air flying back from Las Vegas to Nashville, and I can watch CBS and I can watch the games uh, as they're taking place. And when I land in Nashville, there is about one and a half minutes to go in the Duke game against Central Florida. And so I'm walking through the airport looking for a television which will be airing the Duke uh, the Duke game and I find one. There's a restaurant called O'Charlie's. It's a southern restaurant kind of spread around a bunch of different places inside of the Nashville airport. And there are probably 40 people all piled together in the uh, main concourse, not in the restaurant, but looking into the restaurant at one of their big flat screen televisions above the bar to see exactly what's going on. Everybody in that 40 is rooting against Duke. Every single person. It is a quintessential March Madness moment if you have ever been there 
and been in an airport on that opening Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday as an upset bid is brewing, it's sports fans just all jammed together, standing in a huge pile watching the television. And everybody is rooting for Central Florida to pull off the upset. Down the stretch in the final few seconds, Zion gets the ball. They are down three, Duke is. Spins, maybe charges with the first contact, goes inside on Taco Fall, Taco Fall, gets the layup, gets fouled. Goes to the line, everybody is losing their minds in that crowd of 40. Bunch of people are asking how Duke gets away with that call. How there's no uh, how there's no uh, offensive foul called on Zion. Zion steps to the line for the free throw. Iconic moment awaiting him. If he makes it, then Central Florida gets the ball and has an opportunity to win, probably on the final shot of the game. But no, otherwise you go to overtime. If he misses it, UCF should be able to get the rebound. Duke's going to have to immediately foul. Best case scenario for the Blue Devils is Central Florida doesn't hit both free throws. Free throw is missed. Not a strong box out. And maybe a push in the back. Duke gets the rebound, lays it in, and then we get an improbable miss. A good runner hangs on the rim for a second, comes off. Duke gets an opportunity for a fall. UCF gets the opportunity for a follow. I have tweeted out the picture of the opportunity and the way the ball hangs on the rim. It is as agonizingly close to victory or defeat as you can get. Honestly, it's twice now Duke has had a win like this. They got the exact same kind of win against Wake Forest in their final home game of the year. Ball is on the rim, hanging there tremulously, pendulously, right on the edge. Victory or defeat, you don't know which way it's going to go, and it rolls off. That's how fine the line is between upset and failure, win and loss, agony and ecstasy. As Duke celebrates, the Central Florida fans sink down to their knees in total defeat, in awful, just awful loss. The crowd around me disperses. Everybody's upset. Everybody was rooting for Duke to lose because that's how we expend our energy in the NCAA tournament on the opening weekend. We root for Cinderella. We root for the slipper to fit. We root for chaos for the little guy to upset the big guy. In the wake of that defeat, as they tried to come to grips with the loss, Central Florida walked into their locker room. Head coach Johnny Dawkins was there to address the team, and this is what it sounded like. I'm just proud of you guys, man. I really am proud because what you did this year, not just tonight, you did this year representing you know, our program, representing our university. Couldn't be more proud of how you handled yourself on and off the court. And you guys have been terrific. And like I said, for us, we got a lot of good memories, man. A lot of good memories. We've accomplished a lot of amazing things this year. And I know that doesn't, you know, do anything for us right now. At some point in time, it will. And so, again, I know this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a while. 
I've been in it before and the same thing. But we're proud of you guys. We're proud of the effort and energy that you gave us all year long. We always said, it's going in two ways when you invest like we invest. We're going to end man celebrating, we're going to end crying. We're going to end in tears. We end in tears. That's because we invested, as I said before, so much in each other and so much in what we were doing. Man, I loved what Johnny Dawkins said to his team there. And I think it is such an instructive lesson for so many of us out there starting off our Monday morning. How many of you invest so much in what you do Go after what you want with such full attack that when you fail, you feel like that. Most people don't do it. The NCAA tournament represents the best of America. It is everyone with an equal chance at winning despite the fact that we are not all 100% equal. It's a fascinating thing about this country. We have embedded within our culture this idea, all men are created equal. But the way that we understand that is often misguided. It doesn't mean that we all have equal talent. It doesn't mean that the results are always going to reflect that everyone is exactly equal. It means that we all have, at this point in time, throughout the full fruition of American democracy, an equal chance at a championship. Unique in all of American sports, there is an opportunity to win a championship in basketball, college basketball in particular. If your team goes to their conference tournament and wins their conference tournament, they get a bid to the NCAA tournament. If your team then goes into the NCAA tournament and wins six straight games, it doesn't matter anything else. You are the national champion. Sometimes people talk about expanding the NCAA tournament. We've got 68 teams now. But really, if you include the conference tournaments the week before, two weeks before, every single college basketball team in America that plays D1, over 330 of them, has an opportunity to win the championship. And if you advance in the NCAA tournament that opening weekend, like these 16 teams did, you have achieved a high-level of success, but more importantly, as you listen to that Central Florida locker room discussion, I want you to think about what Johnny Dawkins, former Duke player, former Duke assistant, said to his team. How much do you invest in? How hard do you work for anything? Most people, the answer is you don't invest that much. And you don't invest that hard. Because going all in is difficult. And one reason why I love sports so much is it teaches us what I think is the most enduring and important trait of all of American life. How to fail 
how to fall and get back up again. Ultimately, that is the lesson of sports. And that is the overriding reason why America as a nation has succeeded, more so than any in the history of the world. Because our country embraces the idea that failure does not define us. If you think about the history of the world, if you study it, much of world history was about being on the side that doesn't fail. Even in Europe, where rights burgeoned, if you started a business and you failed and you went bankrupt, do you know what they did? They put you in debtor prison. If you owed too much money, you had to go to prison. There's still a part of old world democracy that believes that failure represents an eternal brand on your identity. You know what happens in America if you fail? Especially today, people believe that you learned something and will not fail when given the opportunity another time. It's the very ethos that defines Silicon Valley right now. Tell me about the company you started that failed. Why did it fail? Let me give you an opportunity to have learned from that and go start another company. Basketball comes down to a single play so many times when teams are good or bad. When they look and stare victory or defeat in the eye. One shot, rising up, ball in the air as the clock strikes zero. None of us know which way it's going to go. But ultimately, what matters is not whether the shot is in or out in the grand scheme of things. It's how you respond to victory or defeat. Victory is easy to handle. It's a great feeling. Anybody who's ever played sports has been there before but you learn way more in defeat. Being crushed like those Central Florida kids are, which 67 of the 68 teams that enter into the NCAA tournament are going to feel, they all believe desperately that they have a chance to win a championship. And as many of them as invest as possible, they're all going to end in locker rooms very frequently like that one we just heard. But what defines this country And what has led us to the place where we are today as the most successful country in the history of the world is how we respond to that defeat. How many times we can get up when we fail and how many times we can make ourselves go to that next day, to that next horizon, how much more we can continue to crave success even in the face of defeat. And that, to me, is what makes the NCAA tournament so uniquely American and why so many of you listening to me in all 50 states right now love this tournament so desperately. It's not just me, guys. The NCAA tournament this year has set a 28-year record for most viewership. The last time as many people were watching the NCAA tournament was 1991. You get that empty bracket, you fill it out, 
I remember 1991 well. Some of you are old enough to remember it well, too. It's Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, was Stacy Augman, was Larry Johnson, it was Greg Anthony, UNLV defending national champs, the running rebels going up against Duke, the blue-blooded elite aristocracy of college basketball. Was an incredible year defined by their semifinal matchup of the rematch between Duke that had been whipped in 1990 by UNLV and 1991, Duke gets its revenge and all of us were watching. I remember that well because 1990 was the first year I ever won a bracket challenge. My kids, you know what they said, Dad, can we fill out a bracket? They're 11 and they're 8. They'll be filling out brackets for the rest of their lives. You probably filled out a bracket as well. When you get that bracket, that pristine 68-team representation, you think to yourself, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to fill out this bracket perfectly, and there's that moment as you fill out the bracket where anything truly feels possible. And that, to me, is why the NCAA tournament connects so well with so many people of all different backgrounds. It's a huge collection of people standing there rooting against Duke, rooting for Central Florida in that airport terminal. And if you were traveling like I was on Sunday, it's a good chance you felt the same way and saw the same emotion. And if you weren't traveling yesterday, you probably have seen this before. A ton of people who otherwise would have never been brought together, all standing together watching a college basketball game. I absolutely love what the NCAA tournament represents. I love everything about its reflection of the larger country. And I love everything that I heard in that Central Florida locker room. When we come back, we'll unpack the NCAA tournament some more. I'll tell you the best games that I saw. We'll run through what we think of the 16 teams remaining. And we'll get you set for the rest of the day. Hour two, Bruce Pearl will join us from down in Auburn. His team is on to the Sweet 16. They whipped Kansas. What does he think about UNC? What does he think about the 16 teams that are still alive? In hour three, we will go out to the uh, Phoenix area, area where the NFL owners are meeting. Major points of discussion going on there. Alex Marvez uh, will join us. That is what is on the horizon. In the meantime, I will also open up the phone lines, 877 877- 996-6369. We'll see if Dub can actually manage to field any phone calls successfully. All that and more. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installation. 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trips of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Um, I thought of all the games that took place in the NCAA tournament. By the way, lots of news 
If you haven't heard, Rob Gronkowski has announced that he is going to retire. If he stays retired, he will be rolling right into Canton. Uh, undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. I want to make sure that I uh, mention that for those of you out there who might have missed that news yesterday. Uh, when, uh, When you think about what Rob Gronkowski accomplished, here's a stat that is pretty staggering that I saw come out from NFL Research. Most receiving touchdowns in the first nine seasons going all the way back to 1970, including playoff games. Jerry Rice, not a surprise to a lot of people, 131 touchdowns and receiving touchdowns in his first nine years. Randy Moss, 110. Marvin Harrison, 100. Terrell Owens, 99. Rob Gronkowski, 91. So going all the way back to 1990, most receiving touchdowns in the first nine years Rob Gronkowski is number five on that list after four Hall of Famers. Zero doubt that he will be rolling into the Hall of Fame. Um, I thought that there were actually not that many spectacular games this year in the NCAA tournament, notwithstanding the fact that ratings hit a 28-year high. Why did ratings hit a 28-year high? I think it's because we're in an era when we all flee to quality. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes when you have so many options, one thing you return to is the stuff you know you're going to love. It's like the kids menu, right? You ever if you got kids like I do and you go out to a restaurant, do you know how many kids menus look really different? Almost none of them. Doesn't matter where you go, if they have a kid's menu, they probably got what? Chicken tenders, chicken uh, chicken nuggets, something like that. They got cheese pizza. Hamburger. They got a lot of times a hamburger. They got sometimes, if it's a, you know, like a not that high end of a place, peanut butter and jelly. You know exactly what's going to be on the menu with kids. Kids, kids aren't risk takers. It's like, if you know what you like, and by the way, all that food, really good. Talked about before, one of the things about being a parent, mac and cheese needs to be on that list too. One of the things about being a parent is you forget about some of the great things you used to love when you were a kid. I don't know how many people out there listen to me right now. You're like, "Ah, I'm not a huge mac and cheese guy. You got kids, they have mac and cheese, they want it every meal. You think to yourself, man, you know what? That's really good. And as an adult, you'll order something fancy off the adult menu and you know what? Your kid's menu will come out, kid, and you'll be like, you know what? I should have gotten a cheese pizza. Their, their food looks better than mine. How many times, how often as a parent do you go and end up eating your kid's food? Reason why kids don't have a lot of options is they know what they love, and it's going to be standard. Doesn't matter where what your kid is, how old they are, it's, that's going to be on the menu, what I just ran through. Doesn't matter what kind of restaurant you're in. If they have a kid's menu, they're going to have that stuff on it. I think similarly, that's starting to happen in the world of entertainment. You're out there and you're like, oh, I can watch the new Narcos or I can watch the new uh, this new show that's on Hulu, Handmaid's Tale. There's all these different things, all these different entertainment companies that are bombarding you with options. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to watch the NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament's always good. It never leads me astray such that in this world where you have a bevy of entertainment options, you go back to 
the tried and true, the most reliable, the kids menu, something that you've loved your entire life. That's the NCAA tournament. I think that's the story of a, uh, of our entertainment options right now. People say, how many options you got? You can watch Netflix. You can watch Hulu. You can watch the WWE Network. Disney Plus is going to be out soon. ESPN Plus is going to be out soon. Paying for all these different entertainment services. HBO. I haven't even caught up on billions yet. You know what I'm going to watch? The NCAA tournament. Flight to quality. Run back to what you already love. Best games of the tournament so far, there were 32 of them on Thursday and Friday. There were 16 more on Saturday and Sunday. 48 total games. I think only five of them actually were good. You know what's crazy about it? We set a 28-year record, and I think only about five of the games were worth watching in the entire Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, if you gamble, you wanted to watch them. If you're rooting for your bracket, that's fine. But in terms of games that were really must-see television, oh my God, the madness is real. Duke Central Florida, best game of the opening weekend. Lots of argument out there. A lot of you think Duke got away with fouls. A lot of you think Central Florida may have blown it on the alley-oop play that would have put them up six. But Duke-Central Florida, best game, I thought, of the opening weekend. I thought the second best game, probably Auburn-New Mexico Mexico State. It was a crazy, wild ending down the stretch. Or maybe Tennessee-Iowa. Wasn't really a great game in the first half when Tennessee was up 25. The second half was good. That's why I think Auburn-New Mexico State, probably the best, uh, better LSU-Maryland comes down to the layup on the final play of the game, and that Wofford-Kentucky game was pretty outstanding too. I watched all five of those games. I watched part of all 48 of those games. Those were the best five. What's remarkable about a 28-year ratings high being set is NBA's tanking in ratings. What is it about the NCAA tournament that we respond so favorably to while the same sport, basketball, people are turning off the NBA. I think it's because ain't nobody got load management issues in the NCAA tournament. We want to see people try their absolute best to leave everything behind like we just heard in that Central Florida locker room in the last segment. The next time we hear a player in the NCAA tournament say, hey, you know what? I was going to play in this game but I had load management issues. Too much running up and down the court. I had to take off the Sweet 16 game. Nah, it ain't happening. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Eddie, would you agree with me on my breakdown of those five? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was the two games I actually watched yesterday were both Iowa, Tennessee, and Duke UCF. So I uh, I picked well yesterday. Those are two great what, games. If Tennessee had lost that game being a Tennessee fan, I don't know that I could have watched any more NCAA tournament games. I mean, that would have been the biggest collapse in the history of the NCAA tournament. I totally understand. And I, I, had, I have Tennessee going to the Final Four in my bracket, and yet I was rooting for Iowa because it was just so exciting to see them come back. But Because uh, you wanted me to be crushed. Maybe a little bit of that too, yeah. Maybe Did you actually think to yourself as you were watching this game, I would like for Clay to be sad, and that's why you rooted for Iowa? I did, I did not think that, but I did think, uh, I bet Clay is not enjoying this second All right, half. Hold, 
I want to put a pin in this for a sec. Did any of you on the show root for Iowa because you wanted me to be sad? Be honest. <laughs> well, I will admit that when I saw your tweet at halftime with you kind of celebrating how much of a blowout it was in the first half. I just said, I didn't even think, some people came after me for that tweet. I thought that I had been intentionally easygoing on that tweet. Here's what I tweeted at halftime, because I was sitting in my hotel room in Las Vegas. I was absolutely loving everything that I saw, but I've seen a Tennessee give up a 20-point lead in the NCAA tournament before and lose. So I wanted to be sure that I didn't give a jinx-worthy uh, jinx worthy tweet. Jinx. So here's what I sent. Dominant first half for Tennessee. I was worried about this Iowa game, but that was an absolute beatdown. Love it. Now, some people were reading, 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 that, reading that as me saying the game was over, and I was worried about the Iowa game, but that was an absolute beatdown, meaning the first half was an absolute beatdown, not saying the whole game. I was actually intentionally trying not to jinx my team. So uh, so some people came after me from that tweet saying that I was a jinx, but I didn't even think that, that tweet was that aggressive. So you were rooting yeah. for me to be sad. No, I actually, like Eddie, I also have Tennessee in my final four, so I wanted Admiral and company to come through. Now, I was actually furious that – your coach Barnes did not put Schofield back in the game. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the truth of the matter is he pulled him at the end of that because of end, that three pointer. Because he the shot? three pointer he shot with like fifty seconds left that could. I mean, Tennessee went two for one, which almost never happens there. I didn't mind the shot because it was a wide open three, and he has made a lot of big threes over the course of his career. Yeah, and if he hits that shot, the game's over. Well, in the first half, he was draining those yeah, shots. And, well, yeah, I mean, he can make that shot, and, he, and he's hit a lot of those shots in his career. So when he rose up and he took that shot with 50 seconds left, even though they didn't run the clock down further, I was totally fine with that shot because he could end the game right there. So he missed it. And then, uh, and then Iowa comes down and ties the game, and then we go to overtime after Tennessee misses another shot. But I was totally fine with that shot. I think he got benched at the end of regulation for that shot. And then they, he said that he told everyone that he wanted out uh, and that he didn't need to be there. What about you, Roberto? Were you rooting for Iowa to make because you wanted me to be sad? No, watching that game, all I could think about was how Admiral Schofield is uh, Kendall Gill's doppelganger. <laughs> I can see that. Actually, that's not a bad. That's not a bad description. What about uh, what about you, Dub? Were you rooting for Tennessee to collapse? I was a huge Hawkeye yesterday. Yeah. Not just because of you. I was in a uh, a restaurant full of Tennessee fans, and I was ready to see those volunteer tears roll. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. We are off and running. In a prime way here on Outkick the Coverage, I want to bring in the crew. What was the best game you watched this weekend? I ran through the five that I thought were the best over the course of all 48 games. Uh, in no particular order, although I think it was the best. Duke, Central Florida, Wofford, Kentucky, LSU, Maryland, Auburn, New Mexico State, Tennessee, Iowa. All of them coming down the stretch, pretty scintillating uh, viewing. Uh, what about you guys? What did you think was the best? I'll start with you, Danny. I would say Duke versus UCF uh, because even though so many of us have Duke either in the Final Four or winning the whole thing, you couldn't help but root for UCF. And, and especially the coach's son dropping 32 the way he did and then having a chance there at the very end uh, after Taylor drove to the hoop. And Zion, he stepped up. I tweeted, all right, it's time for Zion to take over right now. And then that's when he 
drove to the hoop and had that potential three-point play. So just the back and forth and the fact that UCF rose to the occasion, it was hard, hard not to root for them, even though I wanted Duke to prevail in the end. This is the chalkiest bracket since 2009. All three top three seeds still alive. That's 12 teams. Two four seeds, a five seed, and uh, Oregon, who has been playing a lot better down the stretch. What did you think was the best game, uh, Eddie Garcia? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've got to go Duke, uh, UCF as well. You had, I mean, you had the great storylines going into it with Johnny Dawkins going up against his old coach and his old team, and UCF playing so well. And then in the very end, the big guns coming up big for Duke, a dramatic finish. Uh, I, I mean, that had it all. Yeah, Dub, you, are you also on board? I mean, I think it may be tough to beat Duke-UCF in terms of the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Yeah, I mean, that was an unbelievable game, and that last putback shot, I didn't. how did that not go in? But I will say, that Auburn-New Mexico State game had me literally on my knees. I mean, Auburn did everything they could to lose that game, and somehow still came out on top. Yeah, Auburn had the ball up up seven with a minute to go and turned it over there and I'll ask Bruce Pearl about this in the next hour what his reaction was if he went back and watched that tape ends up giving up a corner three that was as wide open of a shot you could possibly get pretty uh, pretty wild uh Roberto were you rooting for Duke or against Duke was anybody rooting for I was Duke rooting against Duke of course uh, television network executives clearly rooting for Duke. I felt like you could hear them wailing. Um, and I'll ask everybody this when we come back. Did you think, but I'll ask you this already, Roberto, did you think that uh, that there should have been any fouls called on Duke down the stretch? I mean, did Zion charge on the first defender in particular? Uh, and was that a push in the back? No, on, I, don't, uh, on, I, don't, I don't think so. Because there was one play where Zion went up for a basket and he was fouled by, by Taquan and it wasn't called, so... I think it was both ways. The referees were going both ways there towards the end. I do think that college basketball officiating, I know we talk a lot about officiating in general, and I think that's natural when you have big games with uh, with close outcomes. I think college basketball officiating is excruciatingly bad. And I think if you watch a lot of college basketball, you know what I'm saying. And I don't mean it like one side or the other benefits. I mean there's just a lot of really bad calls. I almost lost my mind late when uh, there was a – in the Tennessee-Iowa game, if you were watching that game, Tennessee uh, blocks a shot clearly. The official who's closest clearly makes the blocked uh, blocked shot sign. Another official comes running over. Tennessee was going to have a dunk to go up five with about two minutes to go. Instead, the foul call is made, and Iowa gets three free throws to, uh, to tie the game. I almost lost my mind right then and there. But those kind of calls, clearly wrong calls, happen all the time. I don't think it's intentional or anything like that. I think that most college basketball officials just aren't very good. Who's going to win it next? We'll discuss on OutKick. Welcome in, Geico OutKick Studios. Appreciate all of you spending your Monday morning with us here. Uh, I'm happy to be back in the uh, saddle, so to speak, after a long time of uh, of being on the road, been out of town 10 days, was in L.A. doing the show, was in Vegas doing the show. I'm now back in Nashville getting ready for the Sweet, sweet 16 games, which began on Thursday. And to me, so I went into, this, uh, went into this tournament believing that there was a pretty big gap between the top teams and uh, the rest. And so far, that's been pretty confirmed with uh, the top three seeds in each region all still alive. 
there's been so much chalk that there is actually, this has never happened before, there is at least one bracket that is 48 for 48. The NCAA.com bracket, uh, somebody filled out a legitimately perfect bracket. No one has ever been perfect through uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the opening round of the NCAA tournament before. It's never happened. Now, there are eight games on uh, Monday, on uh, Thursday and Friday each day. Uh, total, sorry, Thursday and Friday, eight games. And then there will be an additional uh, number of games, four games on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, there's still 12 games left. But this guy has gone, or girl, 48 for 48. Which is uh, which is pretty crazy. So um, as you look at the remaining NCAA tournament bracket field, I still feel decent about my final four picks. I had Virginia Tech, sorry Texas Tech coming out of the West. Out of the East, I had Duke. Out of the uh, South, I believe it was I had Tennessee, and out of the Midwest, I had Kentucky. So all four of my final four teams still alive. Most of your final four teams still alive as well. I will say in the wake of that Duke-Central Florida game, I think that Duke is in legitimate trouble. And I thought Duke was overrated all season. But if you look at what has actually happened in the uh, in the tournament historically, nobody has ever been as bad at three-point shooting and even made the Final Four in the history of the NCAA tournament as Duke is right now. And so while they escaped against Central Florida, I think the lesson of what to do against Duke is pretty straightforward. You pack in the 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 lane, try to contain Zion as best you can. And I know Zion went for 32 and 11, and he was 12 for 24. But Duke overall is not a great three-point shooting team. Now, they actually shot it decently in this game 10 for 25 and that was the only reason they were even in it because historically they are a bad three-point shooting team they actually shot it pretty well in this game and they still only beat Central Florida by one I think Buzz Williams with almost a week to prepare Virginia Tech's coach early upset pick I think Virginia Tech is going to upset Duke I really do. I think Virginia Tech, which prior to this had never been to the Sweet 16 before, so congrats to all the Hokies out there. I think on Friday, Buzz Williams, with a week to prepare, I think they beat Duke. Now, Duke is a a 7.5-point favorite, so this would be a substantial upset, uh, but I think it happens. I think Virginia Tech gets Duke. They beat Duke earlier this year. Justin Robinson, their star, wasn't playing, and Zion Williamson wasn't playing in Blacksburg. But I think it happens again, and I think Duke goes down in the round of 16. Now, there were a lot of different top teams that were challenged, uh, but by and large, there was not a lot of upset, one of the chalkiest brackets of all time. So I'm sticking with my final four, although if I had to pick a champ right now based on how everybody has looked through two games, man, it's a good question. Um I would definitely think people who bet on Duke need to need to be off the reservation. I think that uh, Virginia has been really, really good. And I think now that they've gotten into the Sweet 16, 
they're going to take a breath and they will play really well throughout. I think they'll get past Oregon. That's going to be a real contrast in styles coming up between Oregon and Virginia. Uh, but I think they'll win that game. And then uh, I think UVA will be playing certainly the winner of Purdue-Tennessee, which I think is going to be a war. I think that Purdue-Tennessee game, you flip a coin, top team in the Big Ten going up against top team in the SEC. Uh, and then I think you'll have another war in that game against Virginia because we know it'll be a grinded out style game. Uh, by the way, Sweet 16 teams by conference. The ACC advanced five teams to the Sweet 16. The SEC advanced four. Big Ten three. The American one. The Big 12 one. The Pac-12 one. And the West Coast Conference got one team as well. Uh, I want to bring in the crew. Let's find out who you would pick right now down the stretch in terms of who you think is going to win the championship. One uh, interesting stat I saw uh, for next year as you fill out your 2020 bracket, 12 straight defending national champions and 17 of the past 18 national champs have failed to get past the Sweet 16. That's a pretty great stat. Seven lost in the regional semis, six lost on the first weekend, four didn't even make the NCAA tournament. That certainly is in play with what ended up happening to Villanova this year where they got totally run. But I'm curious, what team would you pick to be your champ now that we have had the opening weekend? I think a lot of you picked Duke in your brackets and I think you're recalibrating, going back to the drawing board and saying, man, I'm not really sure that I believe in Duke like I did beforehand. Uh, Danny G, who would you pick? Who do you think will be the NCAA tournament champ based on what you saw opening weekend? Yeah, well, before the tournament, my final four, I have Duke, Texas Tech, Tennessee, and UNC. The championship game, I predicted Duke and Tennessee would duke it out with Duke winning. Now that we are in the middle of it and we have a better grasp on how the teams are playing in the moment, I think it's hard to bet against UNC. I mean, they dominated both games. They look pretty amazing. But I'm going to have to agree with you, Virginia, what a rebound from last season, right? I knew that they would probably come with it. But when I watched their performance over the weekend, I was like, wow, maybe I should have had UVA advancing even further. Yeah, I think UVA stared defeat right into the face with the way that they started uh, against Gardner-Webb and the fact that they were down, I think, 14 points in the first half. And then they came surging back, nearly won the first uh, first round game by 20, won the second, never really was in doubt at all against Oklahoma. They never really felt like UVA was going to lose that game. And now I think, look, Oregon's playing well, but I think if you told the UVA fans, hey, you have to beat a 16, a 9, and a 12, I think if I'm not mistaken, in order to advance to the uh, to the Elite Eight, I think they would have been ecstatic at, uh, at that matchup. What about you, uh, Eddie Garcia? Who would you say, having seen the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, who would you say should be favored uh, to win the tournament now? Well, I mean, I had Duke winning it all beforehand, and I'm I'm not going to change my pick just because I, I understand that they could very well have lost. But we've seen in the tournament before teams that have had close calls and pulled one out to go on to win. So I'm not going to overreact 
too much to what happened against UCF. I think Johnny Dawkins obviously knows Coach K very well and did a great job. And I don't think a lot of their teams are going to have a taco fall sitting in the paint to, you know, try and uh, focus uh, that being your defense as far as if they figured out how to beat Duke. And I do agree with you with the three-point shooting. That is a concern, but I'm still sticking with Duke. Uh, what about you, Dub? Who are you taking? I took UNC before the tournament started, and I've been very impressed with them. But another team that I'm looking at right now is Texas Tech. I mean, they played a really, really good Buffalo team yesterday and absolutely ran them off the court. So I'm, I'm kind of liking uh, the Red Raiders' chances moving forward. Yeah, you know, it, it, is, uh, it is intriguing how good Texas Tech has been, and I think they're totally under the radar. Now, their game against Michigan and then subsequently either Florida State or Gonzaga, which is going to be a heck of a game, the West has been complete chalk, uh, and, uh, and 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 it will be intriguing to see what happens. But I do think Texas Tech, pretty dominant in their first two games. You, you look at them and you think, okay, who's won their first two games by double digits and never really felt like they were challenged? Uh, already, that's a rarity, right, to go out and win by double digits. The Zags have done it. Uh, effectively, Michigan has done it. Texas Tech, everybody pretty much in that bracket – uh, Florida State, like in general, pretty easy wins. I think FSU didn't win by double digits in the first round against Vermont, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, but still pretty solid performances by everybody in the West. That's been the chalkiest of the chalk because none of the favorites have really been in danger at all. Roberto, who would you take? I agree with Danny there. UNC has been very impressive and doesn't look good for me because I have my bracket. I have Michigan State, Gonzaga, Virginia, and Kentucky. Kentucky obviously lost one of the best players. It doesn't look like he's going to come back anytime soon. And then by picking Virginia, I don't know why I picked Virginia. Tony Bennett, I've never really liked any of his teams. I remember when he was at Washington State, his teams are always good defensively, but offensively they always have so much trouble trying to score at times. So, uh, But I'll say North Carolina definitely is the most impressive right now. It is pretty intriguing if you look at, uh, at, at the way that we define coaches by, uh, by how they perform in the NCAA tournament because coming down the stretch, you've got a potential matchup for the Final Four if it were to happen. Tennessee's a one-point favorite, the most recent numbers I've seen over Purdue. If Tennessee beat Purdue and if Tony Bennett and Virginia beat, uh, beat Georgia, I mean, sorry, beat Oregon, then you would have a Tony Bennett versus Rick Barnes game for a trip to the Final Four. The guy who lost as a 16 seed and Rick Barnes, the old school Texas coach who uh, has now been in the NCAA tournament, what, 24 years, I think? And in uh, 17 of those years, he didn't advance to the second weekend. So I am curious to see how people are going to respond and how the teams will respond in uh, in those situations because you can go, I mean, it's funny, Villanova got blown out by Purdue this past weekend, but prior to winning two of the last three national championships, Jay Wright would have been the guy that a lot of people pointed to and said, man, Villanova is the most overrated program in America because Jay Wright couldn't quite kick down the door in the NCAA tournament. Now, even though the, uh, the, the Villanova got whipped this past weekend, they've won two of the last three national championships, and you have to say, Jay Wright might be the best coach in America right now. Uh, I mean, I think you can make that argument pretty solidly if you just look at the past several years and what he's been able to accomplish. One of the best coaches in America is Bruce Pearl. And we are going to be joined by Bruce Pearl here when we come back shortly 
Uh, we'll find out from him what he thinks about Auburn's performance through the Sweet 16. I floated an idea that I think is genius, not surprisingly since I floated it, of having uh, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley call the UNC-Auburn game for uh, the NCAA tournament. How cool that I think that would be. We'll see how Bruce Pearl responds to that. And we'll find out what he thinks early of his matchup against North Carolina as he gets ready for that game in the Sweet 16 and tries to keep the Auburn Tiger run going. The Tigers have won 10 in a row uh, down the stretch here, including uh, a really solid performance against Kansas on uh, Saturday. Up next, Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their general tires test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new-timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks 
aspects of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate all of you spending your Monday morning with us. Bring in at Coach Bruce Pearl. You can find him on Twitter there. It's easy, at Coach Bruce Pearl. Just tweeted out a link to his Twitter handle as well. Sweet 16 again. Uh, what did you think of the way your team looked against Kansas, Coach? Thanks for getting up early with us. Yeah, no, good to be with you this morning, Clay. Um, but first of all, when uh, when, you pre- when you're preparing to play uh, to go to the Sweet 16, there's a, there's a lot at stake. But But more than anything... When you're playing against a Hall of Fame coach like Bill Soft and a, and, a, and a program like Kansas, one of the winningest programs in college basketball history, it, it really is an honor uh, to be on the same floor with them and have an opportunity to compete against them. Clay, this year, we have a better basketball team than Kansas. Um, this has just not been one of Bill's best teams. They started the season preseason number one. Uh, they lost Udoka, uh, a dominating big guy. Uh, LeGerald Vick uh, was their best shooter. Uh, he's not with the team. Um, that just took them down a, a couple of notches to where um, we were in a position where we could be the better basketball team. And we played on Saturday some of the prettiest basketball that we played all year long, scoring 51 points in the first half, knocking down a bunch of threes, and got ourselves a, a real sizable lead and, and uh, uh, onto the Sweet 16. When you look, and I know it's exciting to make the Sweet 16, but it's also exciting to prep for a game in the Sweet 16, and you're drawing UNC now. So as if it weren't enough of a blue blood that you just beat Kansas, now you're going up against UNC. What do you see in North Carolina so far that makes them so good? You know, like just like preparing for Bill Self, um, when you prepare for a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame program, they do what they do. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. It's, it's not rocket science. It is, it is solid. Uh, it is fundamental. Um, you know, Roy Williams' team are probably, historically, the best fast-breaking transition 
secondary basketball team in the history of college basketball. I mean, Roy Williams' teams have always played so well, so fast, um, with their fast break and their spacing and their secondary. Um, and so th- th- if, you, if you interview somebody 10 years ago and they say, what's the best way to beat North, North Carolina? Well, you got to stop them in transition. That's it. I mean, that, that, that's the key, one of the keys. They're, they just do a great job with that. Well, easier, obviously, easier said than done. Um, you know, it, it, here we sit Monday morning. You know, we had it. We've, we spent, we traveled back yesterday. They won, they won yesterday afternoon. I worked on it a little bit last night. You know, so we don't have, we don't have much of a game plan in yet. Um, you know, but we, I do know they're a talented team. They're a hungry team. They, they, they were a really good team in the ACC, but they're dangerous because they didn't win the tournament and they didn't win their league and their four games winning for another national championship. Take us into the process because there's a lot of people out there getting ready for this Sweet 16 and there are a lot of good teams. What is your process? You've been to the Sweet 16 a bunch of times. How do you spend your time uh, effectively and what do you do to get your team ready? You know, When is the game plan officially yep. in place? When do you meet with them? Like, I'm just genuinely curious about the, the the week's kind of preparation as you get ready for this game. Well, Clay, it's, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think the biggest thing is routine. Uh, keep the guys on the their their schedule. Um, life's going to change this week for my basketball players. Uh, we're going to get more attention, more notoriety, more coverage um, than than uh, than any time during the course of the season. Uh, the social media aspects of things, um, they're going to read more about themselves. Um, and so number one is, is to keep, keep our heads screwed on straight. Um, we, 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 you know, when we got back last night from Utah, we had a great reception from our fans, but we didn't come back with nets. We didn't come back with a championship. We came back with two wins on the road, on the road to the final four, trying to get a total of six wins. So this is not the time to celebrate right now. Let's feel good about what we've done. So routine. So, you know, today we'll meet at 2.30. We'll watch film of North Carolina. Um, we will have a pretty good discussion about what, what, the, what, what, what we need to mentally focus on. We'll get a lift in, um, and I'm going to get them some shots. That's it. We don't play till Friday. So in many ways, today's going to feel a bit, little bit like a true day off because yesterday they traveled. Tuesday, we will have a hard contact practice. We'll get after it. We'll do the best job we can Tuesday to play North Carolina as best we can by ourselves. We'll travel Wednesday, get to the arena, get some shots. Um, a day's, uh, uh, you know, the Thursday's the day before the game, and we go Friday night. How do you also prepare for the bridge? Let's say that you're able to win. I'm not talking just specifically about UNC, but you know you're playing, I know you're big on this, a four-team tournament every weekend, yep. and the goal is to be the one that advances. It's a quick turnaround if you were to win. You'll play against Kentucky, who I think you probably know pretty well, and Houston. How do you also prepare for those other teams in the event that you win in this four, kind of four-team tournament that you got left? Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. So um, since Tuesday will be our live contact practice, if anybody in this field does anything unusual, something you don't see all the time, like a triangle and two or, or a one-three-one zone or something 
defensively regarding some sort of an overplay that we haven't seen all year long, then we will spend Tuesday, a little bit of time Tuesday, attacking that. I won't necessarily tell the team, look, this is North Carolina, but we need to work and prep on something. Uh, Short of that, we'll do nothing Tuesday with the kids that says anything other than North Carolina. The, The second thing, I've got three assistants. They each lead a team of scouts, operations guys, managers, graduate assistants. Each, each one of those groups is preparing for an opponent. Um, I will work with the team that's preparing for North Carolina. Um, I think Stephen has got the, my son Stephen has got the Kentucky team, um, and one of my other assistants has got Houston. And so we, they will completely prepare like we're going to play, but I, I won't. I, I will not look ahead. Uh, I've got I've got to get my arms completely around North Carolina, and I won't let the team look ahead either. There are a lot of really good teams left in the NCAA tournament. When you are in the tournament, how many other games have you seen part of during the course of March Madness, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday? I have no idea. I mean, I know you probably have. Like, did you see the end of the Duke game? Like, do you do you yeah. see any other of the games that are going on? Or are you so silo-focused on your own game that it's like the rest of the world doesn't even matter? Well, I don't know what's going on in the world right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do know what's going on in college basketball. Um, yeah. So Saturday was a, a long day. We didn't play to the last game. So you could only do so much prep for Kansas. You know, my, my, my good friend and former coach at Iowa, our football coach Hayden Fry used to say, Hazen Bart, it's time to eat. You know, our prep's done. We, 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 we're ready to go. we we got to go play. So I didn't do a ton on Saturday other than just a couple hours of relaxation, and I did watch some games Saturday. Last night came back and, 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 and did kind of catch the Duke game. I watched Texas Tech a little bit, just the games that were on a little bit. Um, so, and, 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 Duke, you know, and that Duke game was a classic. It's a, class, it's a classic survive and advance game. So when you you have been in the Sweet 16 a bunch of times, we played the audio, and I don't know if you've heard it from Central Florida in the locker room after the game. What's the toughest locker room you've ever had to go into as a coach? That's another great question. Um, hey, uh, it, it's, it's clear. It's easy. 1994, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. We lost in the national championship game, Division II, Southern Indiana, versus Cal State Bakersfield. And uh, that was a tough locker room. Um, and um, the guys were all in tears. And uh, my son, Stephen, who was probably, I can actually get this right, I don't even know. Stephen was uh, maybe 10 years old. And uh, one of my players um, um, led us in a prayer. And... He, in prayer, he was talking to God in the first person singular. He was having a conversation with God in his prayer. And I don't think Stephen had seen that a lot. Um, and it was wonderful. He asked questions about it. And, uh, and, and I think that that was, uh, that was a very, very special moment. And it, 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 it really eased our pain because, look, we trust the Lord his plan. Thank you for the blessings for getting us this far. 
And, uh, you know, it was just, it was really a sweet moment. We're talking to Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl. What's the game, as you now look in the Sweet 16, that you wish in your coaching career you could go back and re-coach? Is there any, when you sit back, and I know you're still rolling this year, but I always like to think about you know the past and everything else and how you can learn from it. Is there any game in your career that you ever think, <laughs> I wish I could go back and re-coach this game. We should have won, or I would change something. Is there one in the back of your mind that yeah. think like this? Yeah. You know, there's one yeah, that you think sure. about. Is there one for coaches that you think about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't remember what year it was, um, but it's, it's uh, Tennessee, Ohio State, and we're playing Michael Conley, Greg Oden, uh, and an Ohio State Buckeye team that got to the national championship game against uh, Florida and lost to Florida for the championship. Um, and we're in San Antonio. Clay, we've got an eight. You, you got to remember that. Oh, I, I watched mean, you, this game. You, oh, I remember it well, right. yeah. All right. And so we have, we have an 18-point halftime lead against um, um, Ohio State. We Like we did now. I mean, we, we I think we made uh, – in fact, we set a record – we made 18 threes in that game, and I think we made 10 or 11 in the first half. Played great basketball. Second half, Ohio State, I believe, made 29 free throws. I think they made 29 free throws. <laughs> yeah. um, not shot. I think they made them. Um, we lost the game. Um, I would have trapped Conley and Odin somehow in the middle of the ball screen and not let Conley beat us. Um, and he took, he, he just got in that middle ball screen. He drove downhill and I think he, and, and we just sent him to the foul line. We, we weren't able to stay in front of him. Now, Michael Conley, pretty good NBA point guard, uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies and still playing and still haunting me. Thank you so much, Clay <laughs> Travis, for the question. Like I needed that right now. Okay. Starting my Monday morning off. I needed that question. I went on Twitter and said that whatever needs to happen, CBS, TBS, uh, Turner, however they decide, TNT, who calls games, I'm not even sure what network you guys are going to be on, that they need to call an audible and they need Charles Barkley and they need Kenny Smith, UNC guy, Auburn guy, to call this game. Great idea (laughs) or even greater idea? It's a great idea except the problem is the kids would not get any of the coverage because they wouldn't be talking about <laughs> the game. I mean, I have no idea what they'd be talking about. I, I, as long as if Chuck did the game, as long as he didn't do it in his Chuck-cito. <laughs> that, I, that's just not a look I'm interested in seeing, like up close and personal. Um, so, no, listen, those guys are clearly going to have uh, some fun uh, in the studio. Um, they both... Uh, take it seriously they they both care a great deal so um yeah i i would think like of all the games that we've played so far i would think beating carolina or beating kenny smith that that could be charles's national championship because because look chuck's always sort of been the underdog and and kenny you know he went to north carolina i mean he he was an elite guard his entire career high school college even as a, as, a, as a really good pro and and chuck was sort of from leeds alabama 
and, uh, and, and, and may have grown, grown up the hard way. Last question for you. Your team has won 10 in a row. And I know putting an exact finger on why that's happened sometimes is tough for a coach. Why is your team surging at the exact right time? What is that particular chemistry that has all come together that's allowed you guys to be rolling like you are right now? Coaches can help teams win game. Players win championships. It's that simple. When the players are bought into the process, um, trusting each other, relying on each other, not jealous of another man's success, no longer trying to carve out their, their own role, their role has been carved out throughout the season, going to their strengths, staying away from their weaknesses, um, that's when it starts to really come together. And, um, and, and that's what happened to us um, this, this year. You, you, you try throughout the, the seasons to make it happen. Um, it happened for us a year ago um, during the regular season when we got into SEC play and they picked us 4-14 four and 14 in the league to start the season. And we knew we were better than that. And the players, more than anything else, decided. Now, my job is to, is to help guide them. Um, but it's their job to ultimately, look, I could call timeout, change defenses, make a play call. But there's nothing more valuable when the guys look at each other and say, we're going to get three stops in a row right now. Not the coach but the players. Coach, we'll be watching. We'll be rooting for you on Friday. Good luck, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens. All right, Clay. You guys have a great week. That is Bruce Pearl at Coach Bruce Pearl on Twitter. Uh, Makes a big difference. really does. You go thank him. He said he was setting his alarm to get up for us. So uh, it's uh, 6.15 in the morning that he was setting his alarm to make sure he was up for us. Wanted to come on and talk to all you guys if you enjoyed that. Go uh, reach out on Twitter at Coach Bruce Pearl and let him know. I also think when we come back, final segment, it's a couple of open jobs. I know that he's got things rolling at Auburn right now. I think Bruce Pearl is a top 10 coach in all of college basketball. If you are UCLA, wouldn't you have to be calling Bruce Pearl? Like, just think about the UCLA job right now. A couple of stats for you. Right now, Uh, Bruce Pearl has got a new president and a new AD at Auburn. They didn't bring him in. Maybe they're not 100% comfortable there. Pearl staff at Auburn. I looked all this up. I didn't ask him because I know he's going to say, oh, I love Auburn. I would never leave. It's Sweet 16. I know he's not going to say anything. But think about this. The Auburn coaching staff is the 13th highest paid in the SEC, his assistant coaching staff. Pearl is the bottom half highest paid in the SEC. If you are Auburn, I think you need to be trying to lock this guy up for the rest of his career. But if you are UCLA, or let me give you a wild card here. What if you're Vanderbilt? Look at how much Bruce Pearl already won in the state of Tennessee. Vanderbilt just fired their coach. Don't UCLA and the Vanderbilt, there's a lot of open jobs, but I'm looking at them right now. How many better coaches are out there than Bruce Pearl right now? If I were UCLA, I'd be on the phone with this guy back-channeling it. I'd be doing the same thing if I were Vanderbilt. Am I crazy? We'll talk about that when we come back. Final segment of Hour 2. Hour 3, by the way, we're going to head out to Phoenix to the NFL owners meeting and talk with Alex Marvez 
about all the drama there, as well as Rob Gronkowski retiring. We'll continue to break this down. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage, and you are listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays. Took me a minute there to remember what day it was. Uh, wherever you may be across the country. I just, I, Bruce Pearl was awesome. And by the way, again, I always say this show is growing uh, like, like gangbusters. But the thing that you can do out there if you like listening to Outkick in the morning is hop on social media and thank our guests. I do it regularly for you guys. You make a big difference. At Coach Bruce Pearl, tag him on Twitter, respond to what he said, thank him for coming on. Guys are busy. He's prepping for UNC. He's got a lot of things to do. He won't do much national radio, especially early morning radio. Sets his alarm so he can come on with us and uh, and break down everything there. I got to tell you, right now his assistant coach, and again, I looked all this stuff up. I know he's loyal to Auburn. I know it would be tough maybe to get him to leave Auburn. But if I'm UCLA, who could you get that's better than Bruce Pearl to energize your program? If I'm Vanderbilt University and I'm back in the state of Tennessee where Bruce Pearl had tremendous success at the University of Tennessee, how is he not your top target? Bottom half of the SEC in pay. Assistant coaches, 13 out of 14. He's got a new AD and he's got a new president. They didn't necessarily bring him in. He's not necessarily their guy. I don't subscribe to the idea that trying to get somebody really good to take a job and them saying no means that you lost. If I were Vanderbilt's AD, he'd be my top target. If I were UCLA's AD, he would be my top target. Guy will sell and fill up your place in this age when there's a lot of competition going on. I mean, look at what he's done for Auburn basketball. This is a place that hadn't been to the Sweet 16 in almost 20 years. Not a big basketball school. He just kicked Avery Johnson's ass so bad, Avery Johnson just got fired at Alabama. There's a lot of optimism when Avery Johnson came in, Bruce Pearl came in, they went head-to-head. Auburn won. I just, I just think that's a no-brainer. If you got an opening and you know that that Pearl could win there, I God, I would be... If I were UCLA right now, and they're going through their search trying to replace Steve Alford, and it doesn't seem like they're going to get a big-time coaching candidate there. What are they talking about? Luke Walton coming back when he gets fired from the Lakers? I just think Bruce Pearl has won at such a high level in college basketball. It would make a ton of sense at UCLA. I also think he would dominate at Vanderbilt. And at a school like UCLA or a school like Vanderbilt where you need somebody to go out and rally the fan base and try to sell some tickets... Bruce Pearl has got the sizzle to go along with the stake. Again, think it would be tough to get him to leave Auburn, but that's something I would look into in a big way if I were at either one of those schools. A lot of open jobs out there. I think Pearl's a top 10 basketball coach. I really do. I mean, if you look at the available guys out there that potentially you could get, I don't know how much better you could do than right then and there with Bruce Pearl. I mean, I think that would be really, really difficult to top. Who are the top coaches in college basketball right now? I'd say 
in some order, right? Uh, I think you could go with Tom Izzo at Michigan State. Just phenomenal what he's done there. I think you could go with Coach K at Duke. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Roy Williams at UNC. Jay Wright at Villanova. Calipari's done really well at Kentucky, even if he's only won one championship. Bill Self, I think, you know, 14 straight at Kansas. But after that list, how many guys would you definitively put up above Bruce Pearl other than maybe the six or seven I just ran through? Most of those guys are not going to move, leave their jobs. Man, I'd be on the phone. Hour three, we're going to come back. We're going to go out to early morning in Phoenix where the NFL's owners meetings are going on. We got updates on Bob Kraft. He commented on his uh, his misdemeanor uh, allegations of, uh, of impropriety in Florida. Also, Rob Gronkowski retires. NFL Sweet 16 is set. We'll dive back in and discuss at the top of the hour. Then we'll go out to Arizona to talk with Alex Marvez and get an update on the owners meeting. That is how we will finish off hour number three plus L.A. Braun, early death for L.A. Braun. We might have to give you an update. The Lakers out of the playoffs. All that and more. This is Outkick the Coverage. I appreciate all of you on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Uh, NCAA Tournament Sweet 16 is set. Appreciate all of you spending your Monday morning with us here on Outkick. Encourage you to go download the podcast. We just talked with Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl, who has taken his team into the Sweet 16. Uh, We'll talk with Alex Marvez about Rob Gronkowski retiring and also Robert Kraft's statement. He's out in Arizona at the NFL owners meeting. We'll be waking up early with us to break down all those stories in the world of football and beyond. But as we roll into the Sweet 16, uh, I was genuinely blown away uh, by how much chalk we saw over the weekend. The favorites... And this is pretty wild. The favorites on Saturday and Sunday went 16-0 and against the number. That is, if you had just blindly gone down and played the money line on all 16 favorites, you would have made a ton of money just simply by looking at who was favored in Vegas and putting a check mark by their name. Came down to uh, one wild game between UCF and Duke which could have upset all the expectations going forward. But instead, we have all three number one seeds, sorry, all four number one seeds, all four number two seeds, and all four three seeds. Twelve of the top teams that were seeded have all continued to win. And we also have two four seeds, a five seed, and an Oregon Duck team that I believe comes in as a 12 seed. Now, As you break down the brackets going forward, one of the fascinating things to think about is, does it still make sense for Duke to be the prohibitive favorite that they have been according to odds makers so far? I think the answer is no. I already told you on this show that I think Duke is going to lose to Virginia Tech uh, this week in the Sweet 16. I think Virginia Tech and Buzz Williams, congratulations to the Hokies. First Sweet 16 in the history of the school. Hard to believe that Virginia Tech had never been to the Sweet 16 before, uh, but congrats to the Hokies on getting there. As you look forward, I think this thing is wide open. We have basically got what I think are the 15 best teams in America 
and then Oregon. And I'm not trying to take a shot at Oregon by saying that. I just don't think Oregon's one of the 16 best teams in America. Now, they won two games, and more credit to Oregon for being able to do that. Uh, And they whipped UCI in the late game last night. But I still don't think Oregon's one of the 16 best teams in America. I do think the other 15 teams arguably are the best 15 teams in America. And the good thing about a chalk bracket is that means that you're going to get a lot of really good at matchups in the Sweet 16 and in the Elite Eight as we get another great weekend of college basketball coming up on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I saw a stat that blew my mind. That was this. Even without all these great games in the NCAA tournament, the NCAA tournament set a 28-year ratings high. I'm going to unpack this maybe a little bit more tomorrow. So put a pin in this, and we'll talk about it tomorrow morning as well. But I think if you look at the games that we saw take place, there were really only six good games out of the 48 games that took place over the weekend. And I know because I watched a part of every single these single one of these 48 games. Now, I mean, I don't watch much of them, but I watched at least one minute of all 48 games that took place this past weekend. At least one minute. Um, and there were only about six of them that I thought were really good. And in no particular order, those six games were Maryland-Belmont, Really good basketball game between Maryland and Belmont. Came down to a final possession. Belmont wasn't able to score. Wofford, Kentucky. If you watch that game, Fletch, my man who had made more threes than anybody else in college basketball just about, goes 0 for 12 from 3, and Kentucky survives. That was a pretty awesome game. LSU, Maryland. Scoop and score on the drive by LSU to end that game. Auburn, New Mexico State. I meant to ask Bruce Pearl about whether he'd gone back over the tape from the New Mexico State ending of that game and how many years that took off of his life. That's a whiff by me. I was so focused on going forward, I didn't go back with him there. Tennessee, Iowa. Nearly 25-point lead given up by Tennessee. Goes to overtime. The Vols find a way to win. And finally... Duke Central Florida. There's six games there that I think were the best in the 48 that were played in the NCAA tournament on Friday, Saturday, uh, sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the past four days. Those were the six best games, I think, in general. If you run through them, you can argue about what order they were played in. That Central Florida game, I talked about this on the open of the show. I got off the airplane flying back from Las Vegas. I'm glad to be back home in Nashville. Been gone for 10 days. Wake up early in the morning out in Vegas. Watch the Tennessee-Iowa game in my hotel room. Keep tabs on the other games. I'm headed to the airport. Land in time to see the end of Central Florida and Duke. Now, I kept tabs on it. Watched it on the flight. Got the Southwest free television so I was watching television in the air get there rush through the terminal because I want to see the last couple of minutes of this game huge crowd of people standing around I think that Duke got away with a couple of fouls on that final possession I think that was a charge on Zion probably not going to get called very often not the second part where he got the and one but the first part I felt like he pushed off Then you get, I think, probably a push-off, although it wasn't a very aggressive box-out. Could have sold it better. 
Duke gets the layup. You have an unbelievable look by Dawkins, the coach's son. Really did think that he was going to make that follow. Uh, and I think he probably makes it eight or nine out of ten times in that exact same scenario. Ball rolls off the rim. UCF is crushed. Johnny Dawkins goes into the locker room with his team. Listen to what that sounded like if you haven't heard this yet. Yes, that is weeping in the background. This is how March Madness ends for 67 of the 68 teams in the tournament. I'm just proud of you guys, man. I'm really proud because what you did this year, not just tonight, you did this year, you represented you know, our program, representing our university. can be more proud of how you handled yourself on and off the court. And you guys have been terrific. And like I said, for us, we got a lot of good memories, man. A lot of good memories. We've accomplished a lot of amazing things this year. And I know that doesn't, you know, do anything for us right now. At some point in time, it will. And so, again, I know this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a while. I've been in it before and the same thing. But we're proud of you guys. We're proud of the effort and energy that you gave us all year long. We always said it's going in two ways when you invest like we invest. We're going to end man celebrating. We're going to end crying. We're going to end in tears. We end in tears. That's because we invested, as I said before, so much in each other and so much in what we were doing. That is Coach Dawkins talking to his team at Central Florida as they react to what was a utterly devastating loss in a game that they played about as well as they could have. Duke survives and advances. And that's the name of the game. If your team wins in the NCAA tournament, there is no such thing as a bad performance. Survive and advance, those are the only three words that matter in the NCAA tournament. you got to win six. How you do it doesn't matter. What matters is you get an opportunity to play one more game and a chance to put together another great performance, bad performance, mediocre performance, whatever it is, you get a chance to stay alive in the tournament very few times. Does a team look great for six straight performances in the NCAA tournament? Usually there's a game or two where you need some luck. Ball hangs on the rim and drops your way or does not. Duke got some really good luck, survives and advances, and as a result, we'll see what happens. I can't wait. Uh, Again, encourage you to go check out that Bruce Pearl interview. Thought he put into perspective that survive and advance motif very, very well. When we come back, we will be joined by Alex Marvez live out in Arizona as the NFL owners meeting occurs. Updates potentially on NFL rules. What is the reception going to be like for Robert Kraft, who issued a statement about his arrest? Also, in a larger context, Rob Gronkowski retiring. Is he going to stay retired? Does Gronk belong in the mix Uh, as greatest tight ends of all time. Where does he rank? Is he a first ballot NFL Hall of Famer? I think so, but we'll get all those opinions from Alex Marvez and more. All that's still to come. We're going out early in the morning to the NFL owners meeting with Alex Marvez. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location species salt versus freshwater and more plus it's smooth sailing with fishing bookers simple online payment method you'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local start your angling adventure now with fishing booker visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today fishing booker fishing trips made easy Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, O-O-O-O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Let's bring in Alex Marvez. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. He's out in Arizona where the NFL owners meeting is taking place. And we uh, we start with this question. Uh, Alex, do you think that Robert Kraft will speak to the media at all? Or do you think the statement that he released, which is an intriguing one, I understand it, but he's trying to thread the needle there. I apologize <laughs> for my behavior, even though I did nothing wrong. I always think this is interesting when uh, when people in public uh, positions are fighting charges, and I don't blame Robert Kraft for having an attorney and aggressively fighting the charges of solicitation that have been filed, I, I believe, against him. But when you apologize for your behavior while simultaneously saying you did nothing wrong, for many people, that's a tough needle to thread. Yeah, it really is. I mean, listen, the guy said, I am truly sorry. Didn't say what he was sorry for, but he said, you know, for someone who is uh, proclaiming a uh, I did nothing wrong, you know, and trying to get everything thrown out of court. That's an obviously an odd statement uh, to be posting. You know, look, there, there's some spots for Clay, quite honestly. Robert Kraft is going to be out in public, and he'll be doing the perp walk, and I'm sure there's going to be tons of security, but I don't expect him to speak about this. I think that's why he issued the statement, you know, going into the weekend, that preemptive strike, uh, if you will, to try to, you know, just that anyone can say to him, well, you know, refer to the statement. You see what I mean? I don't, you know, and, and if you notice too, didn't make himself available here to talk about Rob Gronkowski and his retirement. So I imagine he's going to be quiet. And to be honest, for Kraft, as, as bad as it is to lose Gronk, it's something that people are going to be talking about here at the owners meeting. So it moves his situation. Maybe not doesn't give it as much attention. It's still going to be the big talk of the meetings, but a lot of folks are going to be talking about Rob Gronkowski and where the Patriots go from here as well. So where do the Patriots go from Rob Gronkowski? <laughs> and do you think that, I mean, he's not even 30 yet. Do you think that Gronk is truly done, or do you think we just had a guy come out of retirement at tight end and come roaring back to play in Jason Witten? Do you think it's possible that Gronk makes the same decision, or do you think he's officially, officially done? Oh, it's possible. I mean, look, his body. I mean, he, when I talked to him in, in the week before the Super Bowl, he was in a much better place mentally. You know, he was. But, you know, the season takes a toll on him. Think about this. He played 16 postseason games. He has, you know, when we talk about Rob Gronkowski, I mean, who's been in the league since 2009, I mean, we're talking like an older guy. You know what I mean? Just from the, the wear and tear. He's 29, but in football years, whether you, you multiply by seven for a dog. So, I mean, you know, he says that's what's that older. He played in 16 postseason games. By the way, in those games, 81 catches, 1,163 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He was fantastic. Look, he'll see what the real world's like. He'll see what his body is telling him. You know, it's interesting, too, because come August, that's when guys get the itch. They're so programmed to be there for training camps, to be with their teammates, and you know, be working toward that. What is going to fill the void of Rob Gronkowski's life? Or, you know, apparently he said, "I'm not going to do anything right now." But you know, not everyone's Peyton Manning. Some people just really find that itch, and you know, Peyton would still be playing if it weren't for his neck. So I can't dismiss the possibility of him coming back. But the Patriots, they can't take that chance, Clay. They got to find another tight end, or at least try to. 
that, you know, I just don't know how you find a guy, even in this draft with T.J. Hawkinson and George Fant, you know, getting a lot of attention of the Iowa tight ends, or Noah Fant, I should say, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, gosh, I mean, th- to step into Gronk's shoes because play, he changed things. You know, he was a guy you didn't know if he was going to run block or he was going to go out and catch passes, and he was so good at both. So this is a real challenge for the Patriots, how to recalibrate their offense, and I'm sure Tom Brady's sad because how many guys does he really know for any length of time in that locker room anymore? It is wild to be 29 and retiring, right? I mean, no matter what you do for a living, to be uh, to be basically hanging things up and uh, and tapping out at that age is. I mean, there's probably a lot of people driving into work right now who are maybe not that much older than 29, saying, "Man, I wouldn't mind retiring right now." But it, it, it's a uh, it, it's a wild story indeed to see Gronk uh, out like he is, and I think you spoke to it as well. I mean, Brady's 41 will turn, I believe, uh, 42 before long. And uh, and there isn't anybody even remotely close to him in age in the Patriot locker room other than maybe Bill Belichick, uh, which is how wild it's gotten for him there. What are the big topics? You're out at the NFL owners meeting in Arizona. What are the big topics that fans should be aware of that will be discussed there? Okay, we'll talk just basic uh, rules change type stuff. And, you know, there's been proposals about changing the onside kick because only four were covered last year. It was a seven. Point seven uh, percent success rate on onside kicks, and the NFL loves close games, right? And making games interesting at the end, keeping you know eyeballs on television sets and your mobile viewing devices play, as we say, as kids say nowadays. So you know, there's going to talk about maybe for one play a game, you can use this onside kick where you you get the ball. It's fourth and fifteen from your own thirty-five. Oh, by the way, I love this idea. Like, it is wild. <laughs> it would change a lot. But I think there's a lot of people hearing you say that right now, and they haven't even heard of the idea. So go through that slowly because it's yep. early in the morning, and I think there's people out there who are like, what in the world is he talking about? There is a proposal that would do away with the onside kick, and you would get a chance after a score to get another possession if you did what? So you'd have to make the first down. So yep. it's fourth and fifteen from your own thirty-five. So instead of kicking off, instead of kicking off, you would have the ball at your own thirty-five yard line, and it would be fourth and fifteen. You would need to gain fifteen yards, and I don't know what the percentages are on a conversion there, but I would guess ten to fifteen percent, something like that. Is that about right? Which is where the onside kick rate was before, basically. Yeah. And, you know, the the one thing, and it is fascinating, right? And, you know, look, it would only be one time a game. They're not saying that we're going to do this, you know, three, four times a game, but it would be once in a game if the proposal were to get passed. You know, the reason that the onside kick rate changed is because now you have to line up. You can't, you can't tilt the formation. You can't overload anymore. one side with all your guys. Correct. Five on one, five on the other, that's it. And you can't have, you know, walls of guys. You can't send three guys coming down to – you know, pulverize some guy in the onside kick team and recover. So, but what the NFL found in their data was that, you know, essentially what teams were doing was they weren't, they weren't like surprise onside kicks. Had, you know, that's the one where the rate had really gone down. Traditional onside kicks late in the game, trying to get back in the game, those percentages were still about the same. So don't know if it has that type of, of juice to it. I think the NFL tries to avoid something being a little gimmicky. And, and to me, I know it's fun to watch the, the fourth and 15, but might be a little bit too gimmicky for NFL owners. What else is out there that you're hearing? There's obviously a lot of talk about instant replay review in the wake of the blown call uh, between the in, the in the Saints-Rams game. What do you think ends up coming out of that? Well, this is weird, right? Because nothing addresses what happened in New Orleans. Play. I mean, there's no proposal that says that you can challenge 
a play where a flag wasn't thrown. So even under these two separate extensions of replay, one just adds pass interference now as something that can be reviewed. The second adds pass interference, rubbing the passer, and unnecessary hits against defenseless players. So those are two separate proposals, but none address the problem that you had in New Orleans, which is when an official just flat out misses a blatant penalty. And the NFL just hasn't come up with an answer for that one. So, uh, you know, when it comes to this, I don't know how much that would appease anybody. I just think, you know, there is frustration because the pass interference calls, and there's a real good story on this, uh, up, you know, on ESPN. It said that between 2016 and 2018, 10.5% of all incorrect calls in the NFL were for defensive pass interference. However, 24 of those plays ranked among the top 50 in impact on win probability. Yeah. So we all know what they are, right? So that's why they're, they're trying to experiment with this with, with that. But no movement right now for the Sky Judge doing the uh, replay review uh, in, you know, at the stadium itself and taking it out of the hands of the New York uh, Control Center just isn't, isn't something that they want going. I think they have enough. You know, if someone from a local team screws up a replay review with the Sky Judge, that's not good. You know, so that's why you're, you're not really hearing any momentum for that. But the teams are hesitant to, to increase replay play because, uh, you know, you don't want that situation where, uh, you know, you're just adding even more time to the games. I mean, owners are really cognizant of that. It starts to, you know, starts to bleed into primetime programming. They get some pushback sometimes from the networks on that. Or, in fact, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this. They probably are, but you cannot play commercials for the late games until all of the early games are done. There's so because they, you know, want the, the advertisers want, you know, a full audience. So you sometimes see games if they're going to like 445, 5 o'clock in the afternoon and your, your game starts at 405, you may not have a single time out, you know, for, te- you know, for commercials during your time because, and then they're going to just jam them all in, you know, for the final three quarters of your game. So that's one of the things when it comes to replay that owners consider. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this thing didn't get going this time. Maybe they wait until May. And that's another thing, Clay. You can talk about stuff here at the competition committee, and then you can make a decision in May if you just want to table it, give everyone about two months to to stew on it, and then go from there. We're talking to Alex Marvez. How much discussion, if at all, and I know they're not supposed to comment on it because it was sealed, the report from the Wall Street Journal that Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed combined got less than $10 million. uh, That feels like a pretty big win for the NFL, and I feel like – some people listening to us right now might have not heard that because it slid under the radar a bit as it was released. I think that information on Friday, right in the middle of the NCAA right. tournament, uh, per the <laughs> Wall Street Journal. Yeah, and you know, listen, I think owners are well aware, right? I mean, they have to be aware of the league, you know, doing this sort of thing. Like, I'm pretty sure that there are people in the NFL who know what this number is, right? And it was inevitable. It would probably get out. I'm just surprised that we waited this long for this. And play. I mean, you obviously have the legal background. When people were initially throwing out their like sixty million dollar settlement, and you know, making it look like a win for for Kaepernick in that regard with a huge payday. Look, it's still a win in that he's getting money. And the problem is that he's toxic. I mean, nobody wants to sign the guy. And you know, it's a question. I'm, I'm curious to see our reporters going to ask teams. You know, like the Miami Dolphins. I mean, why didn't you sign this guy? You signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, when you look at some of the guys that have jobs in the NFL. You scratch your head because there, there aren't as good a quarterback as Colin Kaepernick, but obviously this is a lot more than about football. So, you know, there'll be some buzz on it, but Clay, I think, you know, for the league, trust me, they, they want to try to minimize it as much as possible. And the fact that they can also point to, well, Eric Reed was part of the collusion claim as well. And look, he's with the Carolina Panthers and he signed a long-term deal. So we're not discriminating against Colin Kaepernick. 
and that's how that goes. So, yeah, interesting. Did you expect the, the settlement to be in that range, Clay, when you first saw it come out, or were you sort of hornswoggled like a lot of folks thinking that, oh, man, this guy really cashed in and never has to work again today? I didn't think that necessarily he cashed in in a big way as soon as an important detail came out, which was that the individual NFL teams didn't have to okay this payment. Because for people out there who don't think about it, um, if there's a major payment that's being made by the NFL, let's say it's a concussion settlement or whatever it's going to be, then that impacts your business in a drastic way and you as an owner would have to be involved. But there are also ancillary costs that are associated with owning an NFL team, which are kind of rounding errors for lack of a better term. And when I heard that the NFL owners didn't specifically have to approve this settlement, I knew it wasn't very much, so I was figuring that it probably wouldn't have been much more than a million dollars per team, and maybe maybe substantially less. So I would have set it at you know twenty five million dollars or less, and been inclined to take the under on that based on that uh, based on that situation. But for each NFL team to get off on this uh, on this uh, case for three hundred thousand dollars, I mean. <laughs> That is a uh, that's an unbelievable win for the NFL, and I will say this: I think the NFL owners feel a bit like, and you can tell me if you disagree with this. They've got their mojo back, right? The, the ratings were up last year. Uh, I, I think the NFL's overall product, notwithstanding the controversies that came in the postseason about officiating, was much better received. And so, I feel like this idea that they're under siege, which was certainly the mentality the past couple of years has kind of lifted. Oh, it sure has. And listen, it also comes, uh, you know, from the president. He stopped attacking the NFL, right? For whatever reason, he moved on to something else. And, you know, the owners were, you know, they didn't have to deal with this. And, you know, they just let the anthem protests run their course. And maybe that was the best thing. You know, look, how do a lot of people respond to issues, right? They throw money at it. And that's what, when we look back at it, that's what the NFL did setting a platform for social justice, you know, type initiatives, you know, $90 million given to players, charitable drives. And you've seen people be active, you know, in, from a league standpoint, you know, Roger Goodell wrote a letter on behalf of Doug Baldwin for some criminal reform that was going on in the state of Washington. You saw, you know, Devin McCourty and his brother, Jason, with a couple other Patriots talking to the uh, Massachusetts legislature last week about an education, a drive that they've got going on an initiative, you know, in their state legislature. So, you know, that's how that went. And, you know, you just, some of the guys that, you know, it was interesting. A quick anecdote on William Hayes. I'm sorry, Robert Quinn of the Miami Dolphins. He was mad at the media last year and told him so in the final week because nobody all year had asked him why he raises his hand during the anthem. Think about that. He was, it, just, it had gone to such a point that no one even bothered asking him. So the whole anthem controversy sort of died out. I think people started watching football again, and they just didn't have to deal with a lot of the political fallout that was going on. Oh, and by the way, stars let's not let's not kid ourselves man your, your boy Peyton when he retired that was a hit and you know but Patrick Mahomes coming back and how great he has played and some of these other young quarterbacks I mean they really helped rejuvenate the NFL as well um in terms of the number one draft pick you are out in Arizona and that certainly is going to be a topic we're about a month away from my hometown here in Nashville Woo-hoo. hosting the NFL draft and uh the Cliff Kingsbury talk continues to uh to burn white hot that they are going to take Kyler Murray. What are you hearing there, and what do you anticipate at about a uh, about a month out till the draft officially arrives? Yeah, there's some teams really scratching their heads right now, you know, trying to figure out what it is that Arizona's doing. Play, they've signed 11 unrestricted free agents, you know, and you just you wonder, well, are you trying to get better right now? I mean, 
Terrell Suggs, I don't know how much football he has left, but you're spending your cap money on this guy. You know, this is the direction you're headed. So this means, okay, are you trying to win right now? And if you're trying to win right now, why are you drafting a quarterback who's going to need some time to develop? The guys, Some of the guys you're signing now won't be around by that time. It, it's just a really odd strategy to me. The other thing, too, is with Josh Rosen not being traded. Clay, do you try to trade him on draft day? I, I think you're left holding the bag. I just don't think he has any value at that point. You know, people know he's a backup, and, and I get it, but they've already been, they're going to move on to other quarterbacks, you know, Dwayne Haskins, you know, Drew Locke, and Tyler Murray. So, you know, if, if Murray isn't taken by the Cardinals, they'll just draft one. You know what I'm saying? If, if Murray is there, they'll still, teams are not going to be short of quarterbacks to be able to draft. So, and I just don't know if Josh Rosen is someone that people have fallen in love with, as, you know, is trading a high pick for him. So, long story short here, we're letting this one play out, but I've just been, I'm inclined to think, it's not going to be Kyler Murray drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Really? So what do you think they're going to end up doing then with one? Do you think that there's somebody who would trade up, or do you think they're going to go with uh, with somebody like Bosa? I think they're I think they're going to go with Bosa, but they're going to try to get someone to move. And I just I can't see John Gruden drafting a rookie quarterback. Maybe you know it's that high. I just I don't. You just cut the leg up from under Derek Carr. I'm just not sure if that's how you run that team. You know, are the Giants or the Dolphins rather? Are they a team that's willing to give up? You know their draft basically to move up from number 13 knowing that they're in a complete rebuild i mean if you're rebuilding you need to have you know picks to, to stock your team right because you're not doing it for agency you're trying to be as have as cheap a payroll as you can to go make some slash in, in 2020 so i just don't know this is a weird one to me clay because i can also see a mock draft scenario where kyler murray does does a little bit of a, an aaron Rodgers, where he's just sliding down a little bit because teams don't have a quarterback need this year and you know denver's not high on him They've made that pretty public. They'll meet with him, but they you know, always said he doesn't like small quarterback. And you, you know, and you look at, at the Giants; they haven't had a small guy since Frank Parkinson. Not so sure if they're going to go in that direction either. So it's fascinating. I think the Redskins are really the team that would make the most sense. But I thought they made the most sense for Josh Rosen as well because it was affordable under the cap. If you're trading for Case Keenum instead, what does that tell you about the availability? of Josh Rosen. I just don't think that the Cardinals are ready to move on from him right now. Are you buying into the Broncos' love affair with Drew Locke? Yeah, I mean, big guy who can throw. And, you know, listen, when he played my Gators, he killed us. I know he had three really bad games last year against top-notch SEC foes. I think it was like Georgia, Alabama, and there's one other game that he just wasn't very good. But I, I can believe that. Look, you know how John loves big quarterbacks, and Drew Locke is a big quarterback, and, and he's good, you know. there's it's you know, And I think that would make some sense as a succession plan. You know, they have to project, you know, John wants to run West Coast-style offense. That's why they hired Rich Candarello away from the 49ers to install that offense. So, you know, is Drew Locke going to be able to, is he going to, is a good enough athlete to fit into the system, you know, with, with rollouts and waggles, bootlegs, things like that? If he is, I could very easily see them making that pick. However, however, I still think if Devin White is on the board, he's going to Denver. I mean, they need an impact linebacker. You look at what Roquan Smith did last year in Chicago, and Vic Fangio was his defensive coordinator. He was fantastic. Andrew, now the head coach of the Broncos. It just makes too much sense. Devin White is a special player out of LSU. And look, he could go as early as five to the Bucks. I mean, this guy is just that, that good a linebacker and an impact type player. Do you, the last question for you, and we're talking to Alex Marvez waking up early with us at the NFL owners meeting. Am I crazy or is it crazy to think that the Ravens could draft a quarterback in the first round again? Yeah, I think you're a little crazy on that. They, they can't do that with Lamar. And we just cut the legs out from under him. And, you know, they're, they're based, I mean, all of their moves this offseason have been based around Lamar Jackson. So you think they really, be, you think they really believe that Lamar Jackson is the future of the franchise? 
Yeah, they're they're taking that plunge. You know, I mean, look, they, that's why you promote Greg Roman, right? Who did the Colin Kaepernick offense with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. If you know, you notice Michael Crabtree, John Brown, guys who disappeared in the offense. They they didn't. The Ravens they just were going to move on from them because the offense wasn't configured to have those guys involved with their skill sets. And if you notice, their production just went bleh at the, at the end of the season when Lamar Jackson was running the team. Look, they have to update the offense and do some things that you know now that they got caught up on a little bit by the Chargers. Teams are going to spend a whole offseason on how to attack the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson has to grow as a quarterback. But look, for a guy who was drafted at 32 and all these teams passed over him and taken over a team at the midway point of the season, that didn't do too bad, right? He didn't make too many big mistakes, just had a terrible playoff game. He needs to rebound from that, but now the Ravens all in uh, with Lamar Jackson. Outstanding stuff as always. Alex Marvez, go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my man. Sounds great, Clay. Thank you. Final segment of Monday up next. Pour one out for the Lakers. It's time for the final edition of L.A. Braun next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I hate to do it. Never would have believed this was possible. A lot of NCAA tournament dreams came to a close on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. But guess whose dream also came to a close with that spectacular one shining moment video that one of the Lakers fans put together. The Lakers title dreams came to a close. It's time for L.A. Braun, the Lakers are dead edition. This is probably our final L.A. Braun of the year. I can't believe that it's happening in March, but it is. Cue the music. L.A. I got, I got, I got, I got. From the first show in the country to predict hashtag future Laker. Instead of three hours of it, Clay Travis captures all the mania in three minutes. LeBron has picked up the circus tent and it has followed him wherever he has gone. I got to be honest with y'all. I thought we were going to be doing L.A. Braun into April, into May, into June. All planned out. Instead, it's over. And we still got a week left in March. Danny G, are you crying like the UCF team was in the locker room? Nah. Laker fans have had a few weeks now to take this all in. And but you said you weren't going to say it was all done until it was officially done. Well, it officially well, died over the weekend. Lakers switched to quit trying for Zion weeks Hashtag ago. Hashtag future Lakers. Yes. Zion next to LeBron. That's going to be sweet. LeBron and Kuzma did combine for 58 points last night in their win over the Kings, Clay. At the Staples Center, the Lakers are winners, 19-17 and 17 on the year in L.A. Tuesday night, the Lakers host the Wizards. Yeah. Another, but I think it's I fair to say. I hope that's another loss, though, because w. the Lakers actually have a 4.3% chance now of getting the number one draft pick. How stunning is it that L.A. Braun comes to a close and dies with a whimper like this? After all the excitement, after all the enthusiasm about LeBron to the Lakers – it's not even April. Like, we haven't even gotten to the Sweet 16 games yet in college basketball, and we're dead here. I, when's the official start of the NBA postseason? I know there's about 10 games left, depending on the team, yeah. 8 to 10 games. Who knows? We're all watching college basketball. Right, but, I mean, to have LeBron be done before college basketball is even done with the Sweet 16 I mean, is said pretty it, wild. You said it yourself, though. There was some excitement around Christmas time, but then the injury happened to LeBron the injury happened to Lonzo, and then all the Anthony Davis drama popped off. And at that point, it all went downhill. What, 
What do you think LeBron's going to do with all these extra months now where he's not playing basketball? <laughs> finally, making movies. Making movies. Finally rest. He'll, he'll produce some shows too, like the one that was on TV last night that chased for a million dollars. Yeah, how was that? I didn't watch it. I didn't see it either. I don't like shows like that, to be honest with you. stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, any American Ninja Warrior type show, I'm not really going to pay attention to that on TV, especially during the tournament. But I will say this. For eight straight NBA Finals appearances, that's a lot of wear and tear. I mean, you just heard Marvez talking about the wear and tear on Gronk because of all the postseason action he had. But nobody wants to give LeBron any sort of pass whatsoever about all the mileage on his legs the past decade. Well, I think it's because, and this is why I think NCAA ratings are up. I mean, I think it's because NBA guys take a lot of games off even while they're playing in the regular season. It's why I think it's almost impossible, and I've paid a lot of attention to it this year, it's almost impossible to bet regular season NBA basketball just because you don't know the kind of effort that you're going to get from a team. I mean, the Warriors are a perfect example. They finally got to 50 wins, but it doesn't seem like they even really care about having home court advantage, and they're just waiting for the regular season to be done. And the fact that we've debuted a new phrase called load management uh, in the NBA this season and uh, it, it is not good for the overall brand. But the brand of NCAA basketball is strong, 28-year television ratings high, I think what you see in this age of so much hyper uh, hyper selling, right? There's so many options out there. It's easy to watch Hulu or Netflix or the WWE or any of these Amazon major companies, not even counting all the regular television that's on. And I think what happens is we see a flight to quality. And by flight to quality, I mean you remember the history of the NCAA tournament. You know it's good. And you go back when there's a lot of options. Sometimes you fall back on the tried and true options you know you're going to like. And I think that's what we're seeing with viewers, even though the games overall were not outstanding. And, you know, I ran through six games probably of the 48 that were really worth watching, uh, yet people tuned in and watched in high levels. Now, partly I think that's probably gambling. Uh, becoming a uh, a more prevalent part of sports gambling. A lot of these games came down to final possessions, final points for over-unders, point totals, and everything else. Uh, but we'll continue to break this down. I encourage you to go download the podcast. Bruce Pearl in Hour 2 was fantastic. Alex Marvez in Hour 3 was as well. Good night, Laker fans. Your sweet prince. His playoff quest is over. I'll kick tomorrow. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.